Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals. Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-up. And I'm Jeremy, a neurospicy software developer turned startup founder, building the Focus Bear app to help people with ADHD and autism thrive at work. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I can get to sleep in time for my two hour long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Focus and Chill podcast. Our guest today is Ainsley Hooper. Ainsley is the driving force behind Ainsley Hooper Consulting, which helps public-facing organizations strengthen their disability inclusion. With a background in anthropology and a unique approach to holistic inclusion, Ainsley is not just a researcher, but a transformative advocate. She's earned accolades, including the 2020 Geelong Employment Award. Ainsley is a passionate advocate and a valued member of several advisory committees. When she's not advancing the cause of inclusion, she's doing the strength sport of strong women. Great to have you on the show, Ainsley. Thanks for having me. Let's kick things off with your journey of neurodiversity. When did you realize you weren't neurotypical? I probably started realizing it during the pandemic. So I had family who, like, um, yeah, close family who are diagnosed already. Um, and then I started noticing things. Yeah. So, but yeah. So I how it basically happened was I started noticing, like, talking to other people. Um, who are neurodivergent and they start talking about their experiences and the things that they did and I'm like but I do that and I'm not I'm neurotypical and then you know then there was just more and more and more and I'm like doesn't make but I'm neurotypical I do that too uh, and then yeah there's two things that happened um, so when COVID hit so when when we had all the lockdowns I loved lockdowns because lockdowns were rules, order, mm. like structure, and absolutely loved it. And then when COVID, when the lockdowns were lifted and they started to say, okay, you can do, it's up to you now how you do things, I did not like that. My anxiety went right up, the, like sky high. Um, and then there was the other part of, starting to go back to normal. Like, for example, I, I run a business and having to go back to things like net, networking events, those kind of things, my anxiety was just like, 
oh, there's no way in hell I could go back to a networking event being in a room with people. Mm. Um, but the thing that really like that got me to uh, to diagnosis was um, I I do sport and I've got a so I have a sports nutritionist. Um, and my coach said to me, you've really got to get your nutrition sorted if you wanted to take your sports seriously. So, yeah, went along to a nutritionist. Um, and I'd always always been a picky eater. But, yeah, I used to be like the kind of person that I would be at, sitting at the table till 9 o'clock at night because I wouldn't eat my vegetables. <laughs> um, yeah, so the nutritionist gave me a list of foods. I said, right, mark these off. She said, tell me what you eat, what you don't eat list of what I do not eat was way longer than what I do eat Uh so she's like yeah um you need to and then I told her about the different things that I do like for example uh when I was making my muesli for breakfast uh if the muesli didn't have one particular ingredient available I would not have that I would not have breakfast I couldn't have something else I just couldn't have breakfast at all, so those kind of things. And so, I, like, I'd go hungry all day. I wouldn't even be able to go on to the next meal. And so she's like, yeah, that's not healthy. She said there's something going on there, so I want you to see a psychologist. So, yeah, I spoke to a psychologist. The psychologist then referred me to a psychiatrist because she didn't specialise in, um, in, in diagnoses. Spoke to the psych- uh, psychiatrist within one session at the end of it she's like yep you're autistic and that was august 9 last year so yeah that's mm. my journey was that you're saying some of your close family got diagnosed were they also on, on the spectrum yeah 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 mm. so i'd seen it but the thing was because they were male and um, female mm. different presentation it's mm. like well hang on I'm not like them, so how could I be autistic? Like, mm. you know, it, it just it didn't. The, there was nothing lining up for me, so it was only when I started talking to other girls uh, that was like, yeah, okay. So I'm starting to see some similarities now. I look back and see all those times where I said to these people that I do these things and I'm autistic. It's like, well, it was right there in front of me. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. I've heard from a, a few women that it's hard to to actually identify with autism because the stereotype mm. is that it, it's a male who's obsessed with trains and have you <laughs> yeah have you exactly now found examples of more more women who have been diagnosed and are sharing mm. it seems really important to do that and has it been mm. overall positive getting the diagnosis has it meant for yeah. me it meant less self-recrimination the things that yeah. i like networking events were really hard for me as well. Yeah, and yeah. Do you just yeah, now so, accept that it, it you don't have to network that way, that there are different oh, ways? Oh, hell of, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't go to networking events. Like I, I'll do online networking events, but I will not go to a public network. Mm. The only time I'll go to a public networking event is if the, sponsor, the people who are sponsoring it might be my ideal client. But other than that, there's no way I'm going to go to a networking event full of people. It's just like it's not on. Um, like mm. and the other the other thing as well, like in business, um, yeah, like for me, like being diagnosed, there was a few like really, really um good things about it. Once I got diagnosed, psychiatrist looked at my medication. I'd been on medication for anxiety 
for 20 years. My anxiety was like stupid high. Like I was just like ridiculously anxious all the time. She's mm. like, yeah, that's the wrong medication for you to be on. I'd been on mm. this medication for 20 years. She mm. put me on this new medication and like within two weeks, my anxiety was just like, okay, wow. so this is what I like to feel normal. I get anxious in those situations where that situation is not for me. Mm. Um, but other than that, like, then like that's where I avoid those things. So, um, mm. but yeah, yeah. That's so good. So mm. the, because you had the diagnosis, she was able to yeah. say typically that medication doesn't work for people who are autistic. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. Really good to hear that. Mm. Let's talk now in terms of you mentioned ideal clients. Can you tell us a bit about your the work that you do, the type of consulting that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I do disability inclusion consulting. So uh, my background is, yep, yeah, I'm an applied anthropologist. So I help business, public-facing businesses and organisations uh, strengthen their disability inclusion strategies. So it's mainly developing access and inclusion plans or going over their access and inclusion plans and seeing yeah, where improvements need to be made. So that's the majority of work I do. Um, but at the moment, I'm doing a um, customer journey map for a client, So, which is a nice difference, which you know, I don't really... I love what I do, um, but, you know, being able to just do something different for a change that also, like, uses my skills, that's really cool as well. Hmm. That's great. What are the typical, in, in terms of how it would help, is it to do with how organisations deal with their customers or is it their employees or everything? Both, yeah. Yeah, so it's both internal and external stakeholders. So um, basically it's looking at access and inclusion. Um, and so how being an anthropologist, I'm really concerned, like, or, and a person with a disability, I'm a wheelchair user, I'm really, really concerned with the customer experience, making sure the customer experience is uh, inclusive and, and accessible. So, um, yeah, I look at basically what their customers' experiences are uh, and then also what their staff experiences are. So I found that if the staff experience or the customer experience isn't great, then the staff experience is going to be something in the staff experience that is influencing what's going on with the customer experience. So, so mm. yeah, yeah. So it's it's a lot of bottom up and top down approach. Hmm. Would it be things around, say, in a, a healthcare setting, like if if with that example just there with mm -hmm. the the problems with the staff would it be say if the the nursing staff are, are rushed and they don't have enough resources or enough staff then that has negative impacts on the the end users yeah then that kind of, that's that's the kind of thing that you're looking at yeah like for example um there was one organization that i did work for um and a lot of their staff disclosed to me that they were neurodivergent but mm. they hadn't actually disclosed that at work because they mm. didn't feel safe doing so. They were hearing eight, like ableist slurs be, um, being used. So it's like, well, if that's the kind of thing happening to your staff, what are your customers experiencing? How mm. how welcoming does it feel to them? So that's the sort of like what how how it really yeah that's the focus of my work sort of. 
Well, that's great that we're able to disclose to you and hopefully yeah. the organisation makes changes so that they can mm. feel safer. Yeah. And how about with the anthropology side, does that, I don't know much about anthropology. Could you tell mm. us about how that works in? Yeah. So anthropology is the study of humankind. Uh, so it's one of my special interests. We've gone for ages. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so there's there's four there's four different fields. There's um, linguistic anthropology, biological anthropology, um, social and cultural anthropology, and also archaeology is also a part of it as well. Um, so for me, um, when I approach organisations, the questions that I'm asking are trying to get stories out. out well, yeah, they're creating narratives so that I can get an understanding of what's going on in the organisation uh, so, as well as, yeah, what's happening for the customer experience. So that's where the holistic side of it comes in. Hmm. That makes sense. And you're probably really, really good at listing stories from people and being able to, to yeah. in, in a way that probably <laughs> other people might not because you, you've got empathy and you've got the direct Yeah, experiences. yeah. And that's why I actually kind of created my business the way that I did because I wanted to use my my, my degree um, in a way to help people and I couldn't find any work around me that was accessible. Um, so, yeah, I created the business with being I should make sure, making sure that that was going to come into the model. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. How long have you been running it for, the business? Uh, since 2019. Hello there. This is Joey. I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams, like writing that book or performing that stand-up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting. I have been there many times and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch. We'll shrink the intimidating dragon off a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving. Click on the link in the show description to get in touch. The other question we had was about optimizing productivity and you said you, you have a few strategies for that. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, when I found out I was neurodivergent, I was like, I'm going to work out how to hack the hell out of this thing. That was my thing. Um, so. When I, like, for example, when I was studying at, at uni, so I studied at uni whilst I was working elsewhere um, between 2005 and 2011, that's when I did my Bachelor of Arts, and I was so focused. So I had zero problem. Um, like I had my schedule set up and I knew I could work this amount of hours, so I got this amount of hours to study. So I, and I, like I just stuck to it and I did it. And then, so I got through that and I got really great grades, you know, all this other stuff. And then, like, later on, I started to do a PhD and, um, like, I ended up ditching the PhD because of the mental toll it was taking. But I also noticed, like, there was just little things in there and also the way that I was working on my business that weren't really efficient. And I couldn't figure out why I was really excelling back then that why this time around it was, you know, a bit harder. And then I also learned that, you know, being neurodivergent, the older you get certain things, I, I'm still getting my head around it, but the older you get apparently different things start to present or change. So 
that's something I'm still really trying to get my head around. Uh, but yeah, so I've I thought, okay, well, I've got to figure out what to do. Um, so yeah, what I do now is I have every every day of the week is dedicated to a different part of my business. So I'll have uh, like Fridays today is like admin and planning day, and this is where I do like podcasts as well. Um, then Monday is my de- personal de- uh, professional development day. So um my clients are all on LinkedIn so I'm really focusing on my LinkedIn content strategy at the moment so doing that and being on a couple of boards and committees um doing learning for that then on Tuesday is my client engagement day so reaching out to potential clients Wednesday is my content creation day so working on my blogs and all my social media posts that kind of thing and then, yeah, Thursday is the project work day when I'm really focused on working on projects for my clients. So the other things will maybe flow over, but they don't. Having those days dedicated means I'm not multitasking, which that makes my brain less efficient. And yeah, I start to, my brain starts to wander and my productivity just goes right down. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Do you devote the whole day, say, for example, on Monday, the whole day is professional development? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Whereas, like, yeah, I've only instituted this, this practice, this, like, in the last month or so, and it's amazing the difference it's made to my business. Mm. Um, but, yeah, before that, I was trying to, like, manage having meetings and then doing project work on the same day, and it's like, this mm. is not working because I'm not able to focus properly because, mm. as you probably know, when you've got a meeting scheduled, you can't really think about anything else that you've got going on for the rest mm. of the day. It's like, so, yeah, that, 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 those kind of things, it really helps with that. Mm. Yeah. I might have to borrow that myself. My, <laughs> my schedule is all mixed together and I know oh. that I'd do better with extended deep work blocks. Yeah, yep. Has that involved having to set expectations with your clients? Were they used to being able to contact you on other days or did you have something? They can still contact me. So I've worked out that, okay, I can't control what other people do Mm. and they also have needs. So they've got Mm. their own needs. Like, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, they're paying me. So Mm. I'm going to be there for whenever they need. But on those days when I'm not talking to them, Mm. this is what I'm doing. So mm. they can they can email me, um, and yeah, I might respond that day, or I might respond when it gets to the Tuesday, whatever. It depends on the urgency, but yeah, mm. it hasn't affected it hasn't affected my clients at all. Mm. I like that because often emails can wait. There are probably some things that are urgent, but they should probably yeah. call instead of emailing if it's urgent. Yeah, and that for me, uh, one of my things is. I do not like the phone. I hate the phone. Mm. This is coming from, like, I can't believe this, but I worked in a call centre for 20 years. Mm. Um, so maybe that's why my anxiety was so high because I wasn't meant to, like, that wasn't supposed to, like, that wasn't a job that was, fit, you know, for me. Um, but, yeah, so now I don't use the phone at all. Uh, I'm, so, well, I don't make phone calls. If a client wants to call me, yeah, I'll answer the phone and then, I'll put their details into the phone so I know next time it's them. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it'll go scope to message bank and I'll, I'll listen to it then. There's no, mm. yeah, I do not answer the phone to strangers. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. It it upsets me, especially if it's a telemarketer calling, telemarketer. Um, yeah, we've even got a sticker on our door that says "Do not knock," mm. and yet, guess what happens? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can't control other people, unfortunately. Like mm, yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. So now it's like putting these strategies into do, to control the things I can control and make the most out of my time. Yeah, and I can see how that aligns with what you were doing when you were doing your Bachelor of Arts, that it sounds like you had very a very clear schedule back then for yeah, when you'd yeah. work and when you'd study, and now you're adopting that again. Mm-hmm. Yep. I should try that too. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else, any other productivity hacks that you found work? Oh, I'm just trying to think. So I've just started with Zapier, Zapier or whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure what you Oh, call yeah, it. to automate yeah yes yeah so i'm looking into that at the moment that's pretty cool i've got it uh because i've got um i started with a new accounting program so i've Mm. got it um every time i get an email um with an invoice email straight to this email address and it goes that i love it so yeah Ah, great idea yeah and also trello trello I i love trello i've got a board for every part of my business as well so um, and a board for like my week so I know what I'm going to be doing on each day of the week as well. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So there's no indecision. Yep. So those probably feed into the next question, which was around resources that you find helpful. Those are, yeah. are two great apps. Are there any yeah. books that you like or philosophies or anything that you'd recommend for people? Um, so try to, James Clear. Um, Atomic Habits. Yep. Love it. Um, I now listen to audio books um, instead of like buying books, which I hated it. Like at first, I was the fact that they were like going to audio. I was like, the idea of losing books was just like, yeah, dreadful. But my eyesight much prefers, um, yeah, being able to listen to. Like, I can't, I think probably all the years of study, like looking at the books, like, too much so having mm. an audiobook and being able to like most like listen to something whilst I'm doing something else mm. that's really good as well yeah mm. what sort of tasks would you listen to audiobooks while you're doing um probably like um you know, like, so yeah probably like um like on an admin day like just like sorting through my email which is the email is probably like the one thing I haven't mastered yet. Like I use Google Workspace for my business, so I love that. But mm. yeah, Gmail I've still got like all oh, like the box at the moment, thirty six thousand emails. Uh-huh. Um, I need to address that. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, especially when <laughs> there's tons of emails flying in. Yeah, yeah, elephant. Yeah, yeah, mm. and yet spam filter keeps catching ones that shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. And then in terms of philosophies, I almost feel like you're you're living the philosophy of leaning into your special interest at work. You're talking mm-hmm. about how anthropology is a special interest and now it's probably one of your big strengths in your business that you, you've got that, yeah. that background and that passion for it. Exactly, yeah. So like being able to see patterns and um, like I, I talk about like invisible barriers because like um, and ableism. Like you, because a lot of stuff is about attitude. So, 
being able to sort of see things and like connect, especially like when I'm doing the work, being able to connect things together. Um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. If people want to connect with you, you said LinkedIn is probably the best place. Yeah. So, if yeah. They so search for Ainsley Hooper. Yeah, Ainsley Hooper on LinkedIn. Um, <clears throat> and Ainsley Hooper Consulting is also on LinkedIn as well. Um, I am Ainsley Hooper Consulting is on Facebook and Instagram, but it's not really like um, LinkedIn's probably where the, the best the quality information is. Um, mm. Yeah. So, and it was on my website, which I'm getting redesigned at the moment, angelhooper.com.au. Hmm, fantastic. Do you have any final words or asks for the audience? Uh, final words would be, like, if you're thinking you're neurodivergent, go get, like, and you can afford it, go get tested because it's really, um, it was a weight off my mind once, like, once I finally had a diagnosis. Like, I know that, that you know, people can't, af- can't afford it. So, but, Self-diagnosis is also valid. Um, but, yeah, if you can, uh, absolutely go for it because the medication side of things as well is really valuable. I love it. Well, really good having you on the show. Thanks a lot no, for sharing your you. thoughts. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled and peace out.